my approach is always, you know what, I can I can go into an organization as 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 a consultant, as a as a data analyst, and I can add a hell of a lot of value to that company. Or, but with my approach, where I'm saying I'm one person, I'm only one person. If I can take what I have and I instill it in a hundred others, the productivity is not just with me. It's a hundred multiplied. Okay. No, I, you, I, I get you. So the value that, that it takes just to the market is not just me. It's amplified. It's amplified, yes. Okay. And that's, that's the objective. What's up, folks? I'm your host, Adley Christoffels, and you're listening to A Curious Life, the show where we delve into how the trait of curiosity has impacted the lives and careers of our guests. Campfire-like discussions that serve as a window into the essence of who they are. Today's guest, Ridwan Bienefell, is frankly the reason I got into data, and someone I will be eternally grateful to. So today, we find out what was behind the movement they helped create, to provide kids like me from what was considered an underprivileged background, a better chance in life. Surya, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, Ed. What we're going to do today, uh, just to set the scene, Ridwan, we ultimately want to understand the essence of you. We want to know who Ridwan is, and we want to understand how the trait of curiosity has impacted your life throughout, whether as a child, as you grew up, in, in your career and where you're going from here, essentially, right? Okay. So if you can imagine that, you know, we're sitting around a campfire, beer, coffee, whatever, in the one hand, a uh, bunch of people listening, you know, tell a story, paint a picture, tell us about your life. Where did it start? I'm the youngest of um, <laughs> nine children. Okay, I, I was born in a place called Albertville. I'm specifically mentioning Albertsville and where I was born because I didn't stay there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, I was born in the heart of apartheid. Yeah. Apartheid was rife at the time. And the reason why I mentioned Albertsville, I remember very little of it. Okay, cool. So so right? we're in Albertsville, we're in Johannesburg, we're in South Africa. Cool. Yes, and and yes, we're in the yes. middle of apartheid. So, Mid sixties to late sixties, Albertsville then was declared as a, as a white area. Okay. And, and maybe the significance of that as well, right? Because I think mm-hmm. this is actually a key part, and I th- maybe this is where you're going, but this seems like a key yes. part of, of, of the future story, which we'll get to, right? But, but yes. the, the impact of that, because my, 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 like when my the, parents grew up in Port Elizabeth, was kind of a similar thing. They lived in what was a colored area, and we do need to get into that because colored has a different yes. a connotation in different parts of the world, right? Not like yes. the way we know it, for instance. Yes. So, so tell our listeners here just like what that means, being classed from colored area to a white area. What does that mean? It means that, um, remember, in apartheid, everybody, everybody segregated, and it's illegal to actually live in an area that doesn't fall into your classification. Yeah. So if you, you are classified as a colored, you can't go and live in a black area. Yeah. Or you can't go and live in an Indian area, or you can't go and live in a white area, obviously. Mm-hmm. So by them classifying Albertville as a white area, 
We had to move out. Okay. We moved to an area called Bosnia, where I'm talking to you from now. Okay, cool. <laughs> Back to your okay. roots, man. <laughs> Back to my roots. Yes, the funny thing is, when we moved, we actually moved to a better house than what we stayed in before. But it was a house that my father and my brother built themselves. Gotcha. So Bosnia really became then the, I mean, one of the most iconic colored suburbs in Johannesburg. It was a vibey, vibey area. My, my wife is actually from Bosnia, just as a... Oh, okay, yeah. good, good, good. So she she will know. You know, we we had hardly ever, ever left Bosnia. Yeah. Okay, so I went to school in, in, in Bosnia, third primary. I was in standard five, which is grade seven. In 1976. Yeah, that's the year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> but that is quite a significant year in South African history because that's the year that the uprising, that's the, the year that the uprising started. Mm-hmm. And um, the fight against apartheid and the fight against um, unequal education and, and, and things like that. So... Um, in 1978, I would say I was in, in, in grade nine. And my dad decided, no, this is not a good idea because we were in the middle of boycotts and political. Unrest. And he took me out and, and put me into a private school. Now, that was tough. <laughs> in what way? Because. Okay, now I'm going to explain to you. Now, remember, I'm a, a, a just a normal colored boy from this colored township, and I'm Afrikaans. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The only language I can speak is Afrikaans. I understand a little bit of English. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, this is at the time now. At the time, yes. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Afrikaans, that 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 was the predominant language in in in, in Boswell. Yeah, and 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 maybe yeah, maybe for that. our listeners as well, I guess it, the, the 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 thing about Afrikaans and English isn't just a language thing. There's huge mm-hmm. cultural, political kind of um, connotations that's attached to it and comes with it. So yes. so just just to kind of give them a view, right? So 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 you spoke Afrikaans. You come from an Afrikaans community, and now you're going to a private school, right? And are English. you saying that they were English private school? Okay. Yes. And I guess the yes. the the education system was a little different, also. Between them, the education system is different. You are now getting taught in English, which is totally confusing. I mean, some of those words and things like that, you don't even understand what it means. Yeah, because it's not your so first was, language, right? <laughs> it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's not my first language at all. Yeah. Okay. And I, uh, it was very tough, and somehow I managed to pass um, that year. And, and, and do and, you do you kind of put that down to? You know, determination, do you put it down to hard work? Do you put it down to a little bit of luck? You know, at least sometimes they say it's not good being spoiled and, and, and things like that. Now, me being the baby in our family, I was spoiled. Everybody made a fuss of me. And I was good at everything that I did. So everybody praised me and everybody, you know. Yeah. And I was not used to failing. Mm-hmm. Failing was 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 not part of the equation. Mm-hmm. I had to pass. It's a combination of of of, of things: determination, um, avoiding 
disappointment. Although I think if 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 I had failed that year, it wouldn't have been a disappointment to my to my parents. But I thought it would. Mm. Yeah. yeah, not an option. No, so it, it it wasn't an option. Wasn't an option. I scraped through, but I passed. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. So from there on, it, it, it went better because I went now for extra English lessons. So let me let me ask you this, right? So this is now you stayed at the school, I assume, until the end of your high school career, right? It would be a very different people, very different mindsets. <laughs> How did that impact you? Adley, I, I cannot explain to you because remember, at at the time, private schools was predominantly white. Mm-hmm. So ninety five percent of the of the of the kids were white. And, and and let me let me let me let me pause there for a second again, just for our listeners, right? Because as I said, uh, there'll be a global community listening to this thing, and yes. you have to you know kind of understand apartheid in that sense. And and what Ridon was talking about, you know, apartheid literally is translated into segregation, and that's what it done well. It's segregated. You literally in your community, you didn't leave Bosmond, you didn't see people of other races, you know. So now, not just to to go into an environment where there's other predominantly white kids, the fact that it's white kids also, you know, has a significance because you're not used to mingling or even at the, in some ways allowed to mix with white people, right? Yes. But as a child, you, you sort of get used to it quite quickly. Yeah. You know, a couple of months into it, um, you get used to, you get used to the barriers. The barrier starts getting broken down and you now start seeing these guys as your friends and things like that. Not as these people, the way you grew up, these are the people that's yeah. right up there on a pedestal, you know. You, yeah. you, you start seeing, but you, you know I can what? do that. I can do that. These <laughs> yeah. are, these are just, just kids like me. Yeah. They, we are all people. We're the same. Yeah. In fact, I'm better at certain things than them. I thought they better at everything. Yeah. You then realize that going into life, nobody's better than anybody else. Yes. Because we remember it was it was drilled into your head and things like that, that you also better than others. Yeah. A lower you down their chain. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. You sort of you sort of there in the middle, there's people that's better than you. Yeah. And then there's others that's you are worse better than, than you. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so it was, it, it was like an eye opener for me. So, so can I you say know? then that's kind of what, uh, you know, at least in part that sparked a sense of curiosity. Of course. So let's, so, so now we're in the high school, right? And, and you come and yes. you go, you know what? Okay. I, I can, there's some things I'm good at. There's some things, you know, that maybe I'm not so good at, but yeah, I can, as a kid, I, I fit in, I can do well. And your curiosity has been sparking. You try sports, and you do this, and you do that. So, yes. so that's kind of so. This is where we are now, right? Yes. What happens from there? Okay, so basically, I matriculate. So it's the final accreditation for ending high school, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. So I matriculate in 1981. Okay, <laughs> I'm five at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I want to do architecture. Okay. But um, my marks, are, I'm, I'm sort of three, three or four points short of, of, of qualifying. And I basically said, nah, if I can't do that, then I'm not going to study. Now, remember, I'm, I'm 18 years old, right? 
and my dad comes to me, okay, what are you going to do now? And what, what, what? So I then decided, nah, you know what? Let me relax for this year. You know? Gap year, um, it's tired. called now. <laughs> I, just, I just finished school. Yeah, let me see. Let me take a whole year to decide what I'm going to do. So I go out with my friends and things like that. Oh, no. This is now early ni- 1982. Okay. <laughs> you know, our parents that time didn't take nonsense from us. Eh? I mean, I came home, I came home one day. This this is February, man, February 1982. I just matriculated. I just got my results and things like that. I'm not gonna study. And um my mom and my sister tells me that um, oh, I'm starting work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. <laughs> By the way. Yeah. I said, what? But I, mean, I, I, I didn't even go for an interview. <laughs> yes. And the next morning I'm up at six. <laughs> you got your lunch done? Your clock card? I've got my, I've got my lunch done and I'm in the printing industry. I'm doing a trade. Yes. <laughs> this this is hectic, and I look at this. I mean, it's 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 you know another eye opener. It's it's, it's an eye opener <laughs> to see what people are doing out there to earn money. Yeah, and and look look, there's no disrespect in anything, right? In what no, you do and whatever, no. it's it's more about where the heart is. And now, at the time, my brother was in IT. I look at this and I think, no, man, I I, I can't do this. I, I cannot do this. So I go to him, I say, please, man, organize me a job <laughs> as anything, <laughs> as anything. I'm, I'm, I'm earning 60 rand a week at the, at the time, 60 bucks a week. Yeah. So my brother says, now come for an interview. I go for the interview. You know, the interview went quite well. I didn't get any confirmation or anything from the interview. Okay. I went straight back to the printing place and I resigned. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) With with immediate effect, with immediate effect, I resigned. Luckily, I got the job and um, as a computer operator, it was hectic. It was even harder than the printing because we work shifts. This is what, March 82? Yes. How long did you stay in that? No, 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 no. No, no, this is now a couple of months later. A this couple is of months. Probably okay. about five months later. Okay. So a South African couple, <laughs> which can be anywhere between <laughs> two right. and a thousand. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, okay. yeah, let's say this is about July. Okay. July. Okay. okay. Okay, okay, so, so, so July, so, but still 82. So, so this is now yeah. more me putting the, the age of computers and computer operator into, in, into context yes. for the listeners. 1982, okay, so, so, computer operator, what do they do? Okay, so remember everything is on mainframes, mm-hmm. right? Those big, big, big mainframes. And you have these things that you call disk drives, okay? It's not like it is today at all. Mm-hmm. These disk drives, all of them have specific information on them, or some of them are clean. Okay, so depending whether you have to 
read information or depending on whether you have to write information, you have to load these disk drives when you run a job. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you have to load the disk drive with the information that is going to be read and either it's going to create a tape, you know, those big mm -hmm. round tapes. So your input and output data. Yes. Okay. So now, rem now remember, in, in, in those times, all the banks, all the big businesses had computer operators, right? So what basically happens is, at the end of the day, you shut down the 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 the, the system that all the users countrywide are using, and then you start running the daily run. And then it will create certain reports to say these are new uh, uh, clients and so on and so on and so on. And every, everywhere you went, insurance companies, banks, everything, this process runs 24 hours. So there had to be operators on shift 24 hours a day. So you would basically go in one week and work a morning shift, you'll go the next week and work afternoon shift, and then you'll go to night shift, and then you'll go back to morning shift, and it was hectic, 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 hectic. And I didn't like it much. <laughs> <laughs> so now you've got this understanding. Look, I'm into computers, understand a bit more about what it does. Now, where do you go from there? Right. Where do you go from there? You resign. <laughs> Naturally, yeah. <laughs> In the same year. <laughs> so you started July and was the resignation before like December or? Yes, 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 yes. It's like October. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And that was your that was your first exposure to data as well, right? To working with yes. data. You must remember, Eddie, you you want to run a, a job, okay? That that reads those drives and 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 creates those tapes and all of that. The actual job, the program that gets written, a programmer will write it, okay? And and all, all the programmer's code will then be sent to what they call a punch room. That's a whole lot of ladies that are sitting there and they copy that code and they type it. And what this does is it, it creates punch cards. A punch card is, is, is a card with holes in, and depending on the pattern of the holes, it represents characters. Okay, cool. So you then have to read in those cards in, through a card reader. Okay. And the job goes into the mainframe. Now, remember also, there's, there's no such thing as an as editor. On the mainframe uh, console, you can only type in commands. You can't bring up a screen and go and change here and there and there. No, 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 no. Okay. You can so, type commands. So how did this impact then the kind of the following years in your career? This is the genesis in your data world, right? So how does this, this scene impact where you go from here? You know, being in that environment, you catch on what needs to be done quite quickly. And you, 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 you very quickly realize that it's not rocket science. You know, it's, it's, it's repetitive. It's, it's repetitive. And you sort of want more for yourself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So anyway, I then went for an interview because I didn't like the shifts. The work was okay. I didn't like the shifts. I had absolutely no time for myself or to myself. So 
it, 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 it was kind of illegal, I would say, in today's terms. Mm-hmm. I then went for an interview at a nice company called Anglo-American Life, also as a computer operator. But yeah, you had to go and write tests and things like that. I went to write the tests and I passed the test and I was told that I passed the test and I went back to the company and I resigned. I didn't get the job yet. Mm-hmm. There's a pattern here. <laughs> <laughs> Not just did I resign. Remember, this is now towards the end of October. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's still 1982. 1982. Mm. So Anglo-American sent me through all these uh, 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 aptitude tests, if you can say it. And then they had one final test for me to do, but this was in December. It was early December. It was what you call the psychometric test. Mm -hmm. It it lasts the whole day. So after that test, um, I went on holiday with my friends. Now, you must remember, Edley, that it's not as simple as as today. If I go on holiday, I'm gone. Mm -hmm. No contact. There's no cell phones. There's no cell phones. No. Hmm. You, you, You out of reach. What happened then is I called my mother on New Year's Day to wish her a happy New Year, but I was still in Durban. And she said, listen, you know what? There's this man that that kept phoning here in December and he wanted to talk to me. He called almost every day. I said, what's his name? She said, no, his name's Theo Sala. I said, oh my God, it's the guy that I went for the interview, you know, the guy that interviewed me. Anyway, the next morning, the second, I called him. He said, Ridwan, I've been looking for you. What, what, what? Your application was successful. Blah, blah. This is now 1983, right? Eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The second, the second day of 19, yeah. Yes. And he said to me, when can you start? I said to him, Theo, I can start tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, seven hours away from Joburg? On holiday, yes. 2nd of January, right. Yes. All my friends are still party having a finish. good time. Mm-hmm. I said, guys, party's done. Let's go. No, Ridwan, that's not. I said, guys, whoever's going to stay is going to stay is my car. I was just going to ask you, was it your car? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, cool. So, you're taking your ball and you're going home. I said, you can stay. I'm going. You know, everybody in the car. Here we go. 2nd of January. 3rd of January. He says, now, tomorrow you can come at nine o'clock. So nine o'clock, I walk in there. In Johannesburg, in the heart of Johannesburg, in Commissioner Street. I walk in there and yeah, this environment looks much better than what I worked in before. Wow, it's, it's like a much bigger computer room and this place is organized. Plus, you get one week off every month. Ah, this And plus, there's now I get a better salary as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was this was nice. This was nice. You know, now you work and work and work within within a year and a half. I was a shift leader. Now, Ed, you must remember, I'm going back to apartheid now. Mm-hmm. Still 1983, still very 1983. much active. Yeah. You know, computer operating was predominantly a colored job. To the it, graph, it, yeah. It, the, the... Yes. Most of computer operators were colored mm-hmm. and some blacks. Mm-hmm. And now remember this 
is now where I met a good friend of mine who was already at the time, when I started at, at, at Anglo-American Life, he was already a senior operator. Okay? And we became very good friends, a guy by the name of Sam Mutsumi. Ah, that we met Sam. Okay. Okay. And we worked together. And, you know, now this is where another curious moment comes in. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time when you're an operator, to be a programmer is like like being uh, 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 white in the days of... of <laughs> you know, of apartheid, it's like, yeah. It's, 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 you can't get... You can't, you, yeah. being a programmer is it. Yeah. If you're a programmer, you're the boss. So now we're at Southern for about two years. Sam has been there like three years. Sam said, no, he wants to be a programmer. So I said, no, I also want to be a programmer. Yeah. <laughs> when, why not me? <laughs> I mean, uh, what about me? Anyway, Sam goes and writes the exam. And that time, Remember, this is COBOL programming. Eh? The top, top institution in the country was Van Zalen Pritchett. Many, many people will know. I think I know even throughout well. the world yeah. will know about Van Zalen Pritchett. But you had to write the aptitude test, a hectic aptitude test. So Sam goes and writes the aptitude test and he fails. Because you go to your manager and you say, I want to try and give programming a, a go. And remember, the company pays for everything if you do that, okay? So I go and I say, no, I also want to go to programming. So they said, no, go write the aptitude test. I go and I write the aptitude test and I fail. Now, you, 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 you can't write that aptitude test. I can't write it today and next week go and write it again. You have to wait six months. So Sam fails about four times. And I fell about four times as well. And one day, Sam comes in and he passed. But there's like a commotion when there's this, 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 this activity in, in, in the office, you know. So what had happened is Sam didn't book himself through the company. He booked himself personally on another name. And he passed. Now remember before, only white people passed that exam. Mm. And he passed under another name. So there was a big oh. thing. So, so the name he used wasn't something that could easily be recognized as black or colored. Uh, yes, or and, and it couldn't be linked back to Southern life to, 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 to remember I've changed uh, to Southern life. Okay. Anglo-American life became Southern life, so it couldn't be linked back to Southern life. Ah, okay. Okay, so Sam then made a big political statement Statement. in in the company. And they were actually forced to put him on the cause. Ah, okay. Okay. That's very interesting, yeah? Yeah, you know, I had to mention this. And now even this has got a big, big part to play in in, 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 in where we're going, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Because, Adley, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Sam went there. Now, Van Zalen Pritchard was not easy. It was tough. It, 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 it was tough. It was the top, top, top 
in terms of quality and, and, and in terms of, of, of recognition, it was the top school in the country. Now, every week you write an exam, every week, okay? When Sam went, he was number one in every single exam from start to finish. Boom. Number one. Yeah. He, nobody beat him even in one exam. He was number one from start to finish. And, and the course takes about a year, eh? Yeah. So Sam's average when he got out of Van Zyl and preached was something like 99 point something. Mm. That's awesome. He's, 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 he was a serious dude. Serious, yeah. serious. Okay. So, so I would say this was around 1985. Mm. 1985. Now remember, I'm still an operator. Mm-hmm. Sam is now a programmer. Yeah. I mean, we really had a tough time even to get into programming. Then they changed the rules and things like that. And you, uh, they made it impossible for you to, to become a programmer. Okay. So the one day Sam comes down, he said, now he wants to have a chat with me. So um, he said, listen, him and a couple of his friends are starting a COBOL programming school just for non-whites. Mm-hmm. Am I interested? It was like, wow, you know? And um, the, 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 the school was called Zakeni Computing. But what they've done is they, they, they approached Van Zalen Pritchett and they made a deal with Van Zalen Pritchett to say, we want to teach your curriculum, right? Mm-hmm. And we will not uh, 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 waver on the quality, quality and the standards, and we will keep it the same. And I can tell you, Adley, they did. Yeah, they were they were unbending. You know, the the, the pass mark was eighty percent, and it was tough. And you know the rules about coming late and all of that. They were unbending on it. You come late, you out. You. There's, there's not even a question. Now, remember, these are seven black oaks and, well, and two black ladies that started the school. So there was nine of them that, that started the school. And you fail, you fail. They, they, they didn't care, you know, if, if, if they had zero students left. Mm-hmm. If you didn't make the grade, you don't make the grade. You're out. Yeah, okay. You're out. I'll give you an example. When I went to phase A, we were 129 students in Mani Van Zyl's big hall. When I eventually passed the final um, phase, there were four of us. And of those four were people that I caught up with and so on. So I would say out of the original, there's only two of us that made it to the end. Mm. Out of that hundred and something. Okay? So I was actually the first person out of Zakeni to be placed in a permanent job. Mm-hmm. And that was in 1988 when I finished the course. The course, because it's part-time, takes a bit longer. So it took me took me more than a year to complete the course. Gotcha. And 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 so when you finished the course, you've got your accreditation. Then what was your next job? What did you get into next? And and where did it kind yeah. of go from there? I was a programmer, man. I was awesome. A, I was a, I was a trainee programmer. You know. You know, we it's, are, it's obviously you know why this is a familiar story to me, you know, <laughs> but now nah, I feel you. 
No, I'm sure you feel me. I'm sure you feel me. So now I was a trainee programmer. And you know how I got my job? My brother organized the interview for me at IGI. Insurance, remember IGI? Mm-hmm. And I went for the interview and um, the person, the, I, I remember the lady clearly, man, what a nice lady. Her name was Anna-Marie Daly, the Afrikaans lady. And, and she interviewed me and she liked me and everything. And she said, but you know what? The quality of your, of your programming in that. Did you guys write programs and things like that? I said, yes, because we used to write it on coding sheets, 150 sheets, one program. Wow. Okay. She said to me, bring me one, one or two of your programs. And I took it to her. She looked at it and she looked up at me. She says, you got the job. Awesome. At the coding sheet. Yeah. So, so now I'm working, but remember Zakeni, Zakeni is still going. And we all sort of have a, a, a affiliation to Zakeni. Because I can tell you, after that, Zakeni gave hundreds of black guys and girls opportunity to become programmers, COBOL programmers, proper COBOL programmers, hundreds. Whereas before that, it, 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 it was basically unheard of. You know, black people can't. It's non-existent, yeah. Yeah, no, because black people can't program. Yeah, that was you the know? fundamental yeah. belief. They're not that able to. The fun, you are, they're not able to. Okay, and I encountered the same issue later in my career, and I'm going to get there and I'm going to explain it to you. Okay, so so I worked at IGI, and I worked under this wonderful manager, Anna Marie Daly, and after a year she resigns. And I think, well, who am I going to report to now and all of that? Luckily, it was just for one month, and then I get a phone call. Do you want the job? (laughs) Do you want the job? And on the 1st of June, 1989, I started working at Dex Data with Anna Marie. Now remember Dex Data was a purely Afrikaans company. I was actually the first non-white programmer to, to work for that company. Wow. The first. Okay. And I think, I think one of the directors, Johan Liber, had vision. He knew where the country was going. Mm. And he sort of pushed this agenda. Guess what language I had to learn? Programming language or? Yes, programming language. SAS. SAS. Ah, yes. Okay. 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 They, this is 1989. They gave me a little orange book called mm-hmm. the Little Sass book. Yeah. And they said, this, this is what you're going to program in. No more COBOL. Mm. Okay? Now, it, it was a strange setup in index because SAS was like the, the entry, the entry level thing. COBOL was for the, now the big guys. I'm thinking, but I know COBOL so well, but why am I coming in as a SAS program? You know? Mm-hmm. Back again to 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 to, to the prejudice apartheid mm-hmm. thing. I I then was invited to a meeting, but you know what I look like, so you can't really tell um, mm-hmm. whether I'm white or coloured or yeah. 
or whatever. But anyway, I was invited to this meeting with some of the other directors of the company. Now, we had two branches. So, so these directors came from the other branch and we're sitting in the meeting and not realizing that there's a colored person sitting in the meeting. Yeah. Because you, you at this time, just, just for the listeners again, I guess Ridwan can be like a, a well-tanned white guy. You can, you can get away with a well-tanned white guy, in the, especially in this context when they're not expecting yes. people to be in the room that isn't white. Right. So it's yes. more like, okay, you're really well tanned. You've been on holiday in Durban. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, okay. So, so I'm sitting in the room with, um, with my colleague who, who we now the two people that, that, that working on SAS. Also a very nice lady. Her name was Irene Buerta. And we became very, very good friends. But anyway, we're sitting in this meeting. I'm sitting next to Irene and this guy. He's sitting opposite. I won't say who he is. I won't mention his name. And um, he says to the other director, you know, he's just got one concern, but loud in front of anybody. Now that we um, are taking on non-white programmers, is it not going to affect the quality of our work? (laughs) And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this guy. I haven't even been introduced to him yet. And I don't know, I mean, I'm a trainee. I'm mm. a, I just got into this company and I'm thinking, yo, is this the place for me? But the next minute, this lady jumps up. Now, remember, she's younger than me, mm-hmm. but she's been at the company now, obviously, longer than me. Mm-hmm. And she tells this guy in no uncertain terms. I, I, I don't even want to use the language that she used. Mm-hmm. What she thinks of just what he said now. Mm-hmm. And she says to me, come, Ridwan, let's get out of this meeting. It's not for us. Mm. The guy's eyes like opens and he, so he didn't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, still at that point. Yeah. But I think then he realized. Okay. That isn't you know? the 10. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, Edley, after, after a couple of months, um, he left the company. Yeah. And can I just can I just pause there quickly and I, I just yes. again for the listeners, right? This is eighty nine, and in a few years' time, Mandela was released from prison. You know that very yes. next, there were massive changes that the country was on the precipice of. So, so, but again, just for the context of the listeners, this is the era that this is in now. This is not where Ridon was earlier in seventy six, you know, or no. where, where apartheid was rife. This is now at the precipice of change. Yes, yes, now. No, everything is changing now. We, we, at this stage, we're even living in white areas now. Yeah. You can go to certain areas and things like that. Yeah, without and being arrested. With, with, without being arrested, yeah, yeah. arrested. And, and uh, this is just so, to get across the, you know, <laughs> the, the facts. It, before yeah. this, if you had been around there without a permit and at the wrong time, you know, yes. it was, a, it, you could yes. be arrested, yes. Yes, you know, at the time so, anyway. So this, yeah, this, this is the, just, again, just for the, this is the time frame that we're in, right? So this guy leaves a few months later, you've got a strong support and uh, by the sound of it, sincere support for you as an individual and the capability isn't restricted yes. because of race, right? So there's, so you're in the right yes. place. Yes. But now, now I must, I must, I must now just tell you something technical, at least. Mm-hmm. So, so, so now I'm a SAS programmer, right? After, after a couple of weeks, I get the hang of this. I get a couple of 
SAS programs, I write these programs. Well, everybody says, wow, this guy knows what he's doing and what, what, what. SAS is easy, man, as you, if you compare it to COBOL. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's easy. So this one job gets handed over to me after like six weeks. It's called the claims stats. Now, at that time, we did the work for Prestasi Makalars. Prestasi Makalars is effectively Prestasi Brokers, which was the biggest insurance broking company in the country. So, so they had almost 60 branches countrywide, all over. And this claim stats report used to go to them on a daily basis. So it used to run overnight, and then they would on a daily basis monitor how many more claims, what's the value of the claims, where the claims are, all of these kind of things, right? The problem with this thing was, and this is the reason why it gets handed to you as the most junior person in, 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 the, in, the, in the company, it comes in one report. And then you have to manually separate that thing. Now, again, I, I have to tell you that this is not the easy task. Mm -hmm. And there has to be a better way. It's not like you, you cut and paste, but no. No, there's no cutting and pasting. Everything gets done by commands. Remember, there's no editor. There's, you know, there's no screen editors, shall I say. You get yeah. line yeah. editors. There's commands that you have to say, I want to, and you have to put it in the line. And it's not the same every day because the report is different. So you can't say, okay, um, Pretoria's report is from line one to line 22. No, it changes every day. And this thing's got thousands of lines. So now you have to split this thing up into this almost 60 branches, right? So that each one gets their own, their branch report, right? And then you have to send this thing by something that they call profs, okay? Now, profs was a sort of an email system that IBM has developed for people that's on the same network. And now when I say on the same network, I mean on the same mainframe because it happened through the mainframe. Okay. So then these, these reports had to be sent one by one to, to all of these branch managers. Mm -hmm. By the time you finish, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. So basically that's your job. Ish. That's, that's your job. And then from, from two to five, you, you, you write one or two programs and so on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I looked at this thing and yes, I said, no, man, there must be a better way. Mm. So I went to one of the system guys. Yeah. What a clever guy. And I said, you know what? Isn't there a way where I can execute commands with, he says, yes. CL. I said, huh? CL, he says, here's the manual. CL stands for control language. Mm. <laughs> I can tell you, I read that manual. And then you find that you can execute commands outside. You know, so you can write a program. Mm -hmm. And all that program does is execute commands. Yeah. And you have commands like scan and search and... All and, sorts. Uh, all sorts. And then I wrote a... a, a, a what they call an exec, mm -hmm. which is in control language. And I started testing it, testing it, testing it, testing it, and the thing bloody worked. Awesome. <laughs> so I get there at eight o'clock. 
And, you know, my fingers even like shaking because yeah. I must now press enter. And, and, and this thing is going to send people files. Yeah. And <laughs> it, can, it can send the wrong files and, and, and things like that. And poof, I press it. Close your eyes. Five minutes, poof, everything's done. <laughs> Five minutes. Yeah. Now we have to see if the right thing went. Because people are going to be yes, shocked yes. now. They say, oh, now? How come I, no, why am I getting this thing goes, so early? That's it. Why? Yeah. Now the phone call starts coming in. How come they got this thing so early? Because normally they get it like one o'clock. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what? Is, is, is this thing right? Is it? No, can you just check it? Can you just check it? Every single branch phoned in. So from that day onwards, they got their stuff at five past eight. Excellent. So... So I had no more work to do until two o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very big lunch. <laughs> Actually, next thing you do is automate when it comes in and it just runs without it. Just rock up and work two o'clock. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, no, I'm exactly. So, so, so that was a, a big thing for me and I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. Because it really defined my career mm-hmm. in Dex data. Yeah. And it's sort of, it sort of opened up a lot of respect because I now not only did that, I did a whole lot of other things as well. As well, yeah. Because now they trusted you to, and and this would have been a problem for ages. So the, the, you know, purely from an efficiency perspective and the value that that adds, it, it, it changed the game for them even. Exactly. And I could write three or four extra programs every day. Yeah. And and also, you know, from a business perspective, right? They can make decisions earlier. My my, my kind of old mantra is decisions are where it's at. The faster you can enable better decisions, right? That's where the value is. So so this is like a perfect exactly. example of that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Now remember this is data. This is yeah. this is the data that you work. You're working with the claim stats, you're working with there was a there was a added company that for Prestasi did all the claims related stuff. They were called Statua. Mm-hmm. Yes, but we used to write the programs for them. They used to say, this is the kind of statistical report that we need. Okay, and then you'd be the ones be, writing it. We used to be the ones writing it in SAS. Hmm. All of this in SAS, right? All of this in SAS. Okay, of, and then where did your career go from there? So, so, so take us kind of through DEX data. Okay, so, 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 so now within a year, or six months, I've, I've, I've done these things. People are saying, yo, this um, non-white guy. That, Maybe that he can do a couple here, of is, things. He's actually not bad. Yeah. You know? So from there, we, we, we doing the SAS thing and what, what, what. And um, I then say, nah, man, you know what? I need to earn more money, you know? Mm-hmm. And... To earn more money, you're not going to earn it doing the SAS thing. And I realized that you have to do COBOL, you know? In the context of where you were, index data. Yes, yes. So I go to my manager and I say to him, look, I studied to become a COBOL program, but I don't see the SAS thing as a problem. Would you mind if I still do my job as a SAS programmer? But I start going into the systems and things from a global perspective. Eish, it didn't go down well. <laughs> said, ah, you know what? You can't do that. And what, 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 you know? And I think my manager at the time was like basically the head of the SAS 
um, or the BI kind of division. And I think it was more a case of him not wanting to let me go. But anyway, I, I, I approached the 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 the, the, the guy. There was only one, one guy, and this guy wrote the entire system, the claim system and the personal line system. He designed it, he wrote it, he maintains it. If a bus rode over that guy, that was the end. Mm-hmm. So I went to him and I said to him, "Look, you know what? I, I slowly want to get into this." Um, Cobalt thing. This was now, I would say, 1991. I want to get into this cobalt thing. Um, will you Will you teach me the system? He said, "Now I'll teach you, but there's a project that's coming up now. Would you be willing to take on that project?" Excellent. And I said, "Of course, I'll be I'll be willing to take on the project." And basically, what this project was. And it might sound simple, was a rewrite of the underwriting system. Wow! So core to the business. Core, core to the business. Okay. So, so basically, it's a batch process, but it, it looks at your 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 the events that has happened during the month in terms of claims, in terms of uh, 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 lab states and things like that, mm-hmm. and it adjusts people's policies mm-hmm. according to the premium calc that, uh-huh. the, that, that so if you you've claimed then you must lose your no claim discount if you haven't claimed you must gain no claim discount yep. um yeah, yeah. So all, all this, but it's, it's it's quite complicated it's, co- it's core then, to the business as well i mean this is critical exactly yes it's, it's it's a critical thing yeah. and people thought i won't be able to do it uh-huh. and um they gave me this program and they said, this is the current one. The new one has to change. And I remember they needed to add a branch rating in the premium calc. So essentially what it is, is just adding another factor to that table. Mm-hmm. But to add that factor, you must then make provision for every single combination. Of course, yes. Of the whole string. Mm-hmm. And I created that table in SAS. Mm-hmm. Okay. You see? So... Mm-hmm. With a with with a proc SQL. Okay, cool. Now, by the way, Hadley, I want to tell you something about SAS. When I started working on SAS, it was SAS on the mainframe, and it was SAS version five. Okay, early days. Okay, there was no proc SQL even on SAS version five. So I I did this and and I rewrote the program, the COBOL program, the batch program that does this whole thing, sends out letters and everything. By the way, 15,000 15, lines. Of code? Of code. Whoa. Not compiled, uncompiled. Mm-hmm. 15,000 lines. And the program worked like a charm. So that gave me a lot of credibility at Dex. After that, uh, the project took about nine months. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a lot of credibility. But you know what? I, 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 I didn't just want credibility. I wanted money as well. Yeah. Quick shout out to our sponsor, Heights. In their words, Heights makes smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help us take care of our brains so it can take care of us. I came across Heights when I set off on a trip, and surprisingly it's still going, where I wanted to take better care of mind, body and soul. So along with doing more exercise, drinking less alcohol, drinking more water, 
I wanted to be intentional about doing things that would help my mind be sharper. Long story short, I came across Heights and found the short, snappy podcast episodes with qualified experts quite enlightening. But as my wife would no doubt agree, I've always been a huge skeptic when it comes to supplements and never felt compelled to take it regularly. Even my daughter got involved in trying to make sure I take the ones we have at home, (laughs) but not even that helped. Yet, here I was, receptive to new things. So I took the plunge with an initial three-month subscription, and I'm still a customer today and feeling great for it. Now, I have no doubt that how I feel is as a result of all the changes I made, but I am convinced that the supplement is playing its part. So if you want to give it a go too, wander over to yourheights.com and use a Curious Life 10 at the checkout for a 10% discount. So I go to my manager and I say, I want to increase. He says, Patrick, you've got the highest increase in the whole company. I said, yeah, but you know what? For the work that I'm doing, I... I, I yeah, it's not, a, it's I not a money thing. It's a value thing. It's, it's, it's yes. Yeah. She says, well, you have to go speak to the MD. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, fine. Yeah. So I walked straight up to the MD's office. And what a nice guy, Johan Lubber. And I said to him, Johan, I'm here because uh, <laughs> I want to increase. He says, what? But you just got one. I said, no, I want, I want another one. He says, no, Mendridwan, we can't do that, blah, blah, blah. And he goes into a whole explanation. So I said to you, you know, Johan, I'm somebody that likes to, to play with things. I like to find out more and what, what, what. So for me, if this was my company and somebody comes to me and they say they want an increase, I won't say to him, no, it's impossible. I'll say to him, you have to do X, Y, and Z for me. Doesn't matter if X and Y, X, Y, and Z sounds impossible. It might be impossible to you, you know? As that's doing the impossible, leave us, we'll, we'll do it. So he said to me, yeah, but it is impossible. He says, how much do you want? I said, no, I want double my salary. He starts laughing at me. He's, he's like, he's like, killing himself. I said, no, Menyuan, I, I just said to you, tell me what I must do in order for me to get that. He says, Ridwan, you basically have to do Peter Danby's job. Now, Peter Danby is this dude that designed the system, wrote the system. The guy that if the bus rides him over, it's the end of the company. And he still wants to talk and I get up and I say, thank you, Johan, that's he says, but where are you going now? I said, our, our meeting is done. You've now told me. Mm-hmm. Now I walk into Peter's office and I say, I want to do what you do. Yeah, Peter was overjoyed because nobody ever wanted to take that one. I must say, what what a guy. And he started teaching me, but he, he really he really went out with me. He, he sat with me. He, he showed me. He really, he was really a guy that had a, a, a big a big part to play in in, 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 in my career, Peter Danby. Mm. And um, and after a year, Peter had nothing to do. Mm-hmm. So did you then, at that point, did you go back and to Johan and say, so you said? Yes, of course. <laughs> and he started laughing. <laughs> he started laughing. He said, no, yes, you're the first person to do this. And yeah. I'll give you what you want. 
and he did. I, I took a lot out of that. And I thought one day when I run my company, that is how I'll run. I looked at the possibilities, you know, and sometimes we think that something is impossible and then it's not because, I mean, people have been trying for years to take over from Peter and they couldn't do it. It took me one year and I was doing, and besides that, I, I went back to them and said, you know what? I want to now do what I'm doing now because it's quite easy. And I want to do the SaaS stuff. And they let me. So, so I was doing the SaaS stuff and the COBOL stuff. And um, I still had a lot of time on my hands on a daily basis. You know, I sometimes used to go play golf and, and, and so yeah, on. Yeah. But I really, I really worked very nicely at, at, at Dexdata. But in the middle, say in, in 1995, round about there, Dex started redeveloping the whole claims and broker system. And they developed it in RPG. So obviously I, I, I wasn't part of that development team because I'm a COBOL and SAS guy. Anyway, things went well, what, what, what. Um, 1998, the system was almost finished. I was still doing the SAS and I was still doing the COBOL and the SAS conference came up. And I went to my manager and I asked her, I said, you know what, can't I go on the SAS conference? I went to the SAS conference. This was in 1998. I get there to the conference, ah, nice, you know, nice food, nice presentation, everything I walk into. Sam. Was there? Sam Mutsumi. Because Sam was working at AC Nielsen at that time, and they were using SAS to do their statistical reporting and data analysis and all of that. So this this world came back now. So so to where you left Sam, you went on your own journey, and this SAS conference was kind of an important yes. place where you you met up again. And this is now the start of a new chapter. This is the catalyst. Yeah. Okay, because now me and Sam are so happy to see one another. We're having coffee, and you know, and I look around and I say, "Just look around here." He says, "What?" I said, Sam, there's only white people here. Mm -hmm. They're 98%. There's only white people here. So what year was this, Rita? 1998. So I said to Sam, Sam, let's do a Zakeni. <laughs> but instead of, instead of COBOL, we do it for SES. Mm -hmm. And looks at me and his eyes like lights up. And you know, this, this was a, like a passion thing. Mm. I said, because, you know what, now we're talking about BI, we're talking about a, a, a level, you know? And on that day, we agreed that we're going to do it. Okay. Yeah, this, this was now towards the end of 1998. Now remember, on the deck side, they're rewriting the system in RPG. January 1999, they approached me, they said, Ridwan, we want you to go on an RPG course. I, I thought about it and I thought about it and I said, in my view at the time, Adley, that was not the future. I said to them, I, I, I don't see myself doing RPG. I said, but you know what, from an IP perspective, you've, you, you've got all the knowledge of what the system should do and how it should work and all of that. It's just to put the final 
I said to them, the RPG thing is putting me off. And we then amicably agree between ourselves that I will leave. Mm-hmm. And on the 31st of May mm-hmm. was my last day at Dex. Okay. So I was there exactly to the day, 10 years. Wow. To the day. Okay. But when I left, Dex themselves, the, the, the MD, organized me a contract, a SAS contract job at um, SA Eagle. He, d- he didn't want me to be stranded or anything, yeah. so he organized me. And this a, is Johan Lebe? No. Johan Lebe had died ah, okay. the previous year. Okay, so the new accident. MD. Okay. Yeah, Ari van der Linde. And he organized me this job at SA Eagle. Mm-hmm. And um, I went into SA Eagle. I struggled a bit and what, what, and guess who I called? I called Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, we've got a six-month project here. It's hectic. I'm going to speak to the guys to see if you can come and help me. Mm. I spoke to them and they agreed. SA Eagle agreed. So me and Sam worked together at SA Eagle. And at the same time, we spoke to SAS because now we were working with SAS mm-hmm. because SAS also had to come to SA Eagle and what, what, what. And we went into agreement with SAS to say we'll start training people. Excellent. This was now from June 1999. So about August 1999, we took in the first batch of, of, of students mm-hmm. um, to train in SAS. Okay. By the way, Mr. Britton was part of that group. Yes, yes. Okay. And was, was, so what was I in the second batch? You were in the third batch. The third batch, okay. Don't know, you didn't know Matsepo and them? Yeah, I was Matsepo. with Matsepo. No, then you were in the second one. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Then, 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 then you were in the second one. So, so that's, that's, that, that's where that came from. It came from Zakeni. So, okay. so the training thing came from Zakeni. And so, we tried to adopt the same kind of principles, the same kind of standards and quality and what. So Sasuka ultimately was based on Zakeni, right? And this was yes. now the genesis, right? So now let's go through Sasuka, right? So, so rapid fire kind of let's understand the journey through Sasuka and, and how that came to be, how it kind of played out and, and when that came to an end. Okay. So, so when we, we, when we started Sasuka, honestly, I can tell you what we wanted to do was to train people. We honestly didn't care about income. We, because we didn't have an income. We wanted to, to train people. Stephen Ng joined SAS towards the end of 2000, towards the end of 1999. When we started training people, I think Stephen was the person who first took some of our students and put them into projects. I think Nkume was the first one to go into a, into a project and then Brendan. Because we were heavily supported by SAS. Your SAS supported us Excellent. 100%. So only then we started generating some income from that. You know what? It, it, became, it became our brand. That when you talk about Sasuka, you talk about these guys that are training underprivileged kids to become BI specialists. So it was a passion project. It was purely passion. 
But it grew from there. As we started taking in people, it, it, it became valuable because even from a SaaS perspective, SaaS now had to prove to clients and things like that they, that there is some kind of reform. And that, that helped us because now we could put our students, we could put our consultants and, 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 and then Sasuka started making money, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, ultimately, we, we were then even in a, in a position to start selling SaaS because it was a selling point. You know, so SaaS software. So SaaS software, yeah. because now it's free training that's, that's, that's connected to that and all of that. And, and that was the thing that actually helped us to win the GSSC deal. And, and that's a big is, government contract, right? Which is the Gauteng Shared Services Center. Mm-hmm. It was huge, 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 huge. Mm-hmm. And it really put Sasuka on the map. Okay. You know, because if you look at the Shared Services Center, it's, it's, it's not only the center that you're talking to, you're talking to all the other departments. Yeah. Because it because, sits in the middle. Because it sits in the middle of, of, of all the other departments. So, so any SAS-related work from government had to then come through that route. Okay. So Sasuka really became successful because of that. Gotcha. Okay. As a, as a business. As, as, a, as, a, as a business, yes, yeah. yes. And, and we, we ran the business quite well, myself and Sam. Mm-hmm. You know, had our disagreements here and there, but we always managed to, to put up a united front. Yeah. Always, always, always. They even called us twins. Yeah. You know, the, here comes the Sasuka twins. Mm-hmm. Um, and if people see me and Sam next to each other, they will wonder why. You know, so um, yeah, that uh, the Sasuka journey was 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 quite an interesting journey, um, lots of challenges, and um, but nice, and you know, the, the the challenges were proper challenges. I'll give you an example. Um, I think it was in two thousand and six or two thousand and seven, where we went to a SAS conference in Switzerland. Me and Sam. Mm-hmm. And I sat next to a guy from Old Mutual on the plane. And we started talking and what, and he asked me what I do. And I explained to him about this training that we do for these underprivileged and this and that and that. And yeah, he, he took a, a real interest in it. And then he asked me, but now these guys that, that, that comes out of your school, how good are they? And I said to him, yo, these guys are very good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, these guys are good. He says, oh, okay, okay, but how good? I said, no, they go into projects and they, they, they do well and what, what, what. He says, but can you give me some, can you substantiate for me how good these guys are? And, you, you know, I thought, yeah, you know what? This is another white guy just being racist, mm-hmm. you know? And I thought about it afterwards and... You know, it was not. Mm. And I then said, no, you know what? We have to substantiate how good our people are coming out of this training. And how do you, def- how do you look at that? You do it in several ways. Firstly, the certification has to happen. And then you have to work closely with the client and monitor 
I think you just missed that phase where we were working with the clients and things like that. You just missed that. Because the next intake that I took after you guys, I took in 20, 20 students and those guys went and did their certification. All 20 of them passed first time. Awesome. Right? Awesome. All 20. And six of those 20 got 100% for the certification exam. Nice. And when I, when, when, when I took it to SAS, some of the people were making comments like, you know, did they have the answers before the time? That kind of thing. So you, you, you always faced with this, with this, you know, that challenge. Yeah. But I think today it's gone. <laughs> and hopefully Sasuka has, has contributed to, to the, 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 the mind frame, the, the mindset of people. Yeah. You know, I, I think I, I also just want to say at this point, you know, it's not it's not just changing mindsets within that community. You have quite literally, and I can say this with absolute confidence because I am a product of Sasuka, you know, is you have given hope and dreams and the a profession and a a a, a an absolute kind of impact on people's lives, individuals like myself. Um, and I, I just want to take this moment to just acknowledge that. I know I've told you this multiple times before, but you have, and what you've done has absolutely impacted my life in an indescribable way. Put me on a journey. And for that, I will be eternally grateful. No, no thanks for that, Adley. But, um, I just, <laughs> I just have to, 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 to tell you something about that. Why do you think? I'm doing this. Let me tell you something, and I'm telling you this now for the first time as well. The main reason for this is actually a very selfish reason. I do it for myself. It's almost like a drug. I do it for that feeling that you get when you see somebody rise like yourself, like Sam Anyama, like Nkume, like Brendan. The feeling that you get out of that is inexplicable. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. And I do it for me. I do it so that I can experience that. I do it for me. Yeah. You know, and I haven't done it for so long. <laughs> I need to do it again. Quickly, just, just wrap up Sasuka for us and then, and then kind of bring us to today after that. Okay. Um, I mean, Sasuka grew rapidly and, um, you know, with with the growth comes comes problems, comes issues, and what what. And um, I think in 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 two thousand and nine or two thousand and eight, myself and Sam, from a strategic perspective, started looking at things very differently, and it caused a big a big issue, a big how can I say divide disjoint, yeah, disjoint. a big divide. Yeah between us and um, I decided that instead of killing this whole thing I'm going to leave and start my own thing and do it the way that I think and I left Sasuka in February of 2009 I didn't expect things to to, 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 to quite go the way that it did because <laughs> <laughs> character building experience it, it was a character building experience yes because oh, Yes, there were challenges. And, you know, with those challenges comes financial challenges and, and 
it, it takes it becomes uh, real. It, it becomes real, and it, it takes a long, 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 long time to recover. Sadly, um, Sam passed away during that period. He passed away in, I think it was 2015, hmm. um, when we were no longer together. Which was which was very it, it, it touched me. Sam was not only my business partner. Sam was my friend. Mm. You know, and the split broke the friendship, and it, 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 it obviously broke the business as well. Yeah. But when 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 he died, yeah, no, it, it affected me. Yeah, because we didn't have a, a, a chance to to talk yeah. or to reconcile. We didn't have that that opportunity, and yeah, but you know, what can you do? Um, yeah, no, I feel you. One of those things in life goes on. So, uh, so, 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 and and that that was, a, I mean, that was, that was a, a, a moment I, I I do remember hearing about that, you know. But I can only imagine what it, how it impacted you. So, 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 moving on then, right? And you say you need to do it again, right? Where are you now? What are you busy okay. with? And and what what is what what is the next part of your journey hold? Okay, let me let me let me let me tell you after after Sam passed away. It, it was almost like I put a block on the SAS thing. It was like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And I embarked on, on, on other projects and things like that. I started joining up with certain people in financial services and things like that. And we started writing, you know, bespoke financial services systems like pension fund systems and funeral policy management systems and that kind of stuff. Which took us, which took us longer than what we thought. It's not as simple. It's not as simple as you think. And I think we 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 only completed some of those systems maybe a year ago, mm-hmm. and started marketing those those systems. But it's quite good systems, and um, yeah. But you know, they, they, there was always this thing that that's calling me back. When was it? In 2019. Yeah, it was October 2019. I just made an appointment with Stephen Ng and I said to him, you know what? I want to do SAS again. Mm-hmm. You know, the funny thing is they, they, they immediately accepted me back. And look, I haven't got the training thing up and running as yet, mm-hmm. but I will have it up and running soon. I'm doing it a bit differently. You know, I, I've built up um, a, 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 quite a, a base of um influential people and that, that I can talk to and so on. And the way that I'm planning to do this now is to to still approach it from an underprivileged perspective where I'm looking at underprivileged people and bringing them in, but I'm get, getting them sponsorship. Before we even start the training, they will know that they, they are being sponsored on the training and that there is a consulting and a permanent job secured for them thereafter. But I'm also looking at it in a more structured way than we used to do it. You know, just jump in and start training. And so I'm looking at like focusing on the data science curriculum in SAS or, you know, the back end, the front end development so that we focus and we service clients needs specifically, you know, platform administration, scarce skills, man, skills that, 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 that are not just easily available today. So I'm looking at, at developing those people over a period of time, incentivizing them, but 
you know, taking the same approach where there's a certain standard that you that 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 you need to to meet. If you don't meet that standard, you're done. Yeah. You know? So so I'm looking at that, I'm busy putting everything together, the curriculums, the the client base, yeah. um, who am I approaching? How am I approaching it? So, so, so I'm busy with all of that. So in essence, essentially what you're saying is, you know, all of the experience that you've gained from what went right, what went wrong at the core of it is how you can go down this route of impacting the lives of people while satisfying your need and passion to do so and the feeling that you get from it, then that's perfectly fine, right? In exactly. fact, if that's the thing that drives you to do good things, then go for it, right? So exactly. you're taking all of that and saying, you know what, we need a bit more structure. We need something meaningful at the end of it. We need a bit more of a, a kind of sure point to hit. We need a, we yes. need a bullseye, right? Yes. And let us partner with big organizations. But in doing so, satisfying the need that they have and and bring the right people along on a journey to then fulfill exactly. the roles or the need the customer has in the end, right? Yes. Right from the start. So it's targeted, it's purposeful, it benefits the customer, it benefits the the, the student, and it benefits you, right? And, exactly. and 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 that's kind of the the direction that you're going in now. Yeah, exactly. And remember, it's not just about one objective. They they are milestones that that throughout the whole journey. So, so you assess this thing. Like I said, the guy that asked me on the plane, how good are they? You know, you need to be able to assess on a regular basis and you need to be able to measure, um, to measure it and you need to be able to incentivize. You know, you need to be able to, 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 to give people incentives and you need to say, you know what, if you achieve X, Y, and Z, boom, then you're going to bump you up. We, mm-hmm. you, you know, so, so that kind of approach where, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving you more because I like you. Yeah. I'm giving you more because you've achieved. And, and, and here's the milestones that you've met. In order here's to the do milestones. That. Yes. So, so it's more definite, even in terms of the certification and things like that. It won't just be one or two certifications. Like if you look at the, 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 the data science certification, there's maybe about 15 or so certifications that goes into that one big thing. So it's working your way through something like that. And then at the end, you can say, okay, after this process, you are now a data scientist. Wow. Who can say that? Sure. You know? So, so this, this kind of actually already answered a question I was going to ask. Um, you know, so, so my belief is that, you know, everybody and the world at large understands the importance of using data and analytics, not just for the success of a company, but I think everybody understands it's becoming more imperative for the survival, right? And competitive yes. advantage. And the, the question I was going to ask that I think you may already just have answered is, you know, because I believe that in, as data professionals, as professionals that work within the realm of yes. data, it is our collective responsibility to ensure that the value enterprise as well as society gets from using data and analytics must be scaled we have to scale the value that that is derived from analytics Uh, and i think one of the key things you've just said is what you are doing is you are ensuring that you bring the people along and i know there's multiple objectives there's so many dimensions to this which makes it a beautiful story Right, but you are empowering individuals and enabling organizations to have the right skill sets in order to extract that value. Is that a kind yes. of good summary? 
it's exactly what you're saying. Um, but also, Eddie, you know, my approach is always, you know what, I can I can go into an organization as 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 a consultant, as a as a data analyst, and I can add a hell of a lot of value to that company. Or, but with my approach, where I'm saying I'm one person, I'm only one person. If I can take what I have and I instill it in a hundred others, the productivity is not just with me. It's a hundred multiplied. Okay. No, I, you, I, I get you, you. So the value that, that it takes just to the market is not just me. It's amplified. It's amplified, yes. Okay. And that's, that's the objective. Perfect. No? Okay. So, so Ridon, listen, this has been such an insightful conversation. It has been, you know, and, and, and even more so because I am a very small part of that journey and can relate and can, you know, kind of, and have benefited from that. Right. So uh, appreciate your time. And once again, so much respect, so much love and so much gratitude for not just what you've done for me, what you've done for others and what you are now going to do for, for even more. Right. So, so thank you. To, it's all to, a pleasure, Eddie, if I can just say something, you know. Certainly. It's, 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 it's a pleasure. And by the way, you're not a small part of that. You, 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 you're quite a, a significant part of that. And um, I often use you as, a, as an example because I'm very proud of what you've achieved. Thank you, you sir. You know, what, 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 what they're saying is, you know what, you, you, you give people a start. Where they go to from there is really in their own ability and in their own uh, drive. So you took that and you ran with it. And that is you, not me. Sure. So I take that. Thank you. Take that. I will. It's yours. I will. Okay. I will. So what, one more thing, the last thing, um, yes. you know, and I'm kind of merging my love for music with my love for data, with, <laughs> you know, and, and I know that you're not necessarily a musical guy, but I, I, I wanted to know, you know, whether in years gone by, when you were young, whether it's now, you know, give me a song, give me something that, that says, you know what, this is me, this inspires curiosity within me. This, this is, yeah. this is, this kind of tells a little story about me. If you have okay. to pick one song, what and, okay. and the artist, who would that be? Okay. If you ask me to choose one song that I would most relate to, it would probably be, and I thought about this, it would probably be Imagine by John Lennon. Awesome. Okay. Well, listen, on, on that note, thank you. And this is this has been the very first episode and will be the very first episode. It's the first recording as a token of respect and gratitude for the Genesis story of, of my journey into data. Um, you know, and I am completely honored and it was such a pleasure getting to know a little bit more about you. So Ridwan, until the next time, um, <laughs> thank you. Excellent, Ed. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, then please like, share, and subscribe. Original music created by SolarKid, produced by Spotcaster at Boabalb, and branding by Victoria at Generic. 
a Moexon company. 